0: If you're new here, um, this fall actually marks five years since we began as a, a church plant here. It was on September 15th, 19 or not 19 September 15th, <laughs> 2013 that we had our very first gathering in the, in the living room of Christine and Tim Durrett's house. Um, and then a month later, on October 6th of that same year, 2013, we met at the Mennonite Church, which is at 10th and Fremont. If you're ever near there to uh, to go by it, Sam Cassing claims the whole building is leaning. I don't know if it's true or not. Um, Anyway, and uh, one of the things we learned real quick, though, was that uh, even starting at 4 p.m., that's when we began. But even at 4 p.m., we found out that people are late to church, um, which is why we realized it doesn't matter what time we start. Anyway, um, so those of you who have been around then know that every fall we kind of kick off by... Uh, looking again at our core values. And I, and I want to warn you, those who have heard this stuff before, it's a little different every year, but it's a refresher for us. It's a reminder. It's things that we so easily forget about, and, and we need it. We need it for this recalibration uh, as we come back to them. You know, That's the whole reason we have these core values. Uh, and, and so then, just to put core values in perspective, though, I want to remind you they're not our doctrinal statement. We we have a doctrinal statement. Our, our doctrinal statement is the the Westminster Confession of Faith that was written in, in 1646, um, much older than any of us here. No matter what you young people think our ages might be. Uh, and in fact, that's 130 years before the founding of the United States of America. Uh, or the way I like to think about it, it's 190 years before the founding of the nation of Texas. Um, give you some perspective. So also, core values are, are not our distinctives, right? So if you understand distinctives, it's kind of how are we different than, than other churches in, in the area, we, we have those as well. Uh, and, and our list of those would be we're evangelical, we're evangelistic, reformed, confessional, covenantal, and, and Presbyterian. And if any of those terms sound weird to you, they're explained on our website real well. Uh, so you can go, go check them out there. Uh, so then, we do have six core values. That we believe are of vital importance to the life of this particular church, uh, and, and we're going to go through those today. We're going to go kind of quickly through five of them, and then we're going to focus on uh, on one in particular. We're going to be focusing on uh, this this core value of being eager to eager, rather eagerly making disciples of Christ. Uh, and for that reason, because that's our focus, we're going to be beginning in the Great Commission. That's why I sent you to Matthew twenty-eight. Uh, If you're there, it's it's Christ here. He's speaking to his disciples. Um, And I just ask you to follow along as I I read here. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The grass withers, the flower fades. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord God, our hope, our prayer from our very first day has been that these core values of Manhattan Press would honor you, honor you as God, and and rightly direct us as your people, as disciples, as as sinners who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ so that we may also be called saints. Lord, help us to bring these values beyond mere ideas. Empower us to, to, to live this way for the sake of your kingdom and for the sake of our neighbors and for the sake of your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our our first core value is that we are dependent upon the ordinary means of grace. Let me explain that a little bit. The the term means, it's hard to say that without redundantly saying, the term means means uh, the system by which a result is brought about. Okay, The system by which a result is, is brought about. For instance... God has designed that a plant will grow by the means of water and by the means of sunlight, right? In other words, you plant this plant and water and sunlight are going to cause it to grow. God has also designed that people grow spiritually and are transformed through simple God-ordained means. The three means from Scripture, which I won't explain why why we see them all here, but... uh, uh, if you're curious, ask me. We can give you a little more explanation. But the three means by which God gives us to grow are the word of God, the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and baptism, and number three, prayer. So by making a commitment to the means of grace, what we're saying as a, a church then is, is that we're going to resist this, this um, temptation to look to marketing strategies, to, uh, to look to trendy movements, to, to look to some kind of outright just hype. In order to to grow the church, historically the, these means are called ordinary, right? That's one of those words that'll throw us up, but they're called ordinary not because they're without power or boring or anything of that nature, but simply because this is the way that God ordinarily transforms people. And I and believe me, you know, one of our our greatest desires as Manhattan Prez is, is to grow and to flourish spiritually. And so it's for this reason that we seek to be a church uh, that is going to be absolutely scripture-saturated, sacrament-serving, and prayer-soaked uh, through and through. And I, I hope you see that every week as we work our way through this liturgy, that those are things that, are, that we are dependent upon absolutely. Our, our second core value is living in covenant community. and In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, we, we read this... Uh, and the God says here, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Okay, he, he's talking about a covenant at this point that God has made with his people. And, and we see that when God establishes a covenant with his people, he also creates this covenant community. This community of men and, and women and children who are united to each other because of their, simply because of their mutual union with Christ. And so then when, when we talk about covenant family, there's, there's two general ways to understand this. There's the first way, which is uh, our extended family, right? Which, which includes Christians everywhere. Anyone whose faith is in Christ anywhere on this planet, right, is our covenant family in, in some regards. Uh, and then there's also that, this particular local church, this body here, which functions more like an immediate family. Uh, just like you might understand in your own life, extended family, immediate family. And so you're going to hear the term covenant community. We use it a lot. Covenant community or covenant family, absolutely interchangeable. And, and when we say that we seek to be a covenant community, we are saying that we desire to be a, a community that is committed to the mutual growth and, and provision and care for each other. That's, that's what we're looking for. And that means that you invite someone to a meal. That means you, you might see someone around here, and you take them out to coffee and, and see how they're doing. It might mean you, you just watch someone's kids because you can tell, man, they need a little time together alone. The, the other side of this, though, is that you, you need to ask for help, right? No one, no one can read anyone's brain to know what's going on, and, and I will say that this family is amazing at meeting people's needs. In, in short, be a part of what makes this family great, and I'll, I'll tell you, we really have done a great job at this. Continue to do so. Um, I, I get to see this more than most of you. And I don't even get to see all of it. Because every once in a while, something will trickle in that I never even knew happened. But uh, what I hear so often is just how welcoming y'all are to new people. How how strong the fellowship. And I, I've told you this before. But the best comment I ever heard from someone visiting was uh, ha- after the service saying, You know, you can tell you all really like each other. Like this was this big revelation. Um, so continue to do that. Be that sort of family. Continue to seek out new people, to go out of your way, way to welcome them. Continue to build relationships with people that you already know. We, we have this directory on our website. Use it, okay? Uh, if you go there, it's, it's out there in the open. There's a password. The password's rooster. It's not a huge secret. We just don't want it to be accessible by anybody. You can call people, text them, email. Uh, it makes it easy to get in contact with people. Uh, or if you're going to go somewhere, we have a, a Facebook page that you are welcome to post on. I'm going to this, uh, to the library. I'm going to the parade. Come meet us there. Things like that. So uh, those of you out of college, uh, I would encourage you to consider asking some of these college students over to lunch. Uh, you know, one or two at a time, a few at a time, whatever it might be, just to lunch on a Sunday. Uh, and, and part of that is they don't get a whole lot of lot of. Home-cooked meals. They don't get a lot of adult interaction during this this time. There's a peer interaction all over the place, but it's good to be able to interact with some adults as well. Uh, if you don't know who to ask, I know you can ask the Dunning's. You can ask the Castings, the Harries. You can ask me, or just ask some stranger. Hey, you want to come to lunch? You look young. I'm old. You know. <laughs> Sorry, I just look at Rodney when I say that for some reason. <laughs> All right, so if you did that even just once a year, it's not asking for a big thing. If you did that just once a year, it'd be absolutely amazing. Uh, So then our our third core value is participating in worship and Sabbath. Uh, Sunday is the center of of what we do here. It it really is. And and you might notice that I said participating in worship. Uh, Travis talked about it a little bit earlier. We we have intentionally designed our liturgy uh, so that you are participating in it. Right? You don't come here and just watch musicians uh, perform in front of you and kind of sing along a little bit here and there. We, we sing together as a congregation because we, as a congregation, are worshiping God. We, we read things responsibly. That might seem a little weird to you today, right? Like chanting if you've never done it before. But, but that's part of us actually participating in, in the worship service. We, we confess our sins out loud. There's the corporate part of it, right? That we are confessing out loud. There's that time of silence. There's awkward silence in the world, but, but what we have here is just that active silence. It's very intentional and uh, something we get to participate in. We, we get out of our seats when we take the Lord's Supper. We're going to come down here and, and actually meet around the Lord's Supper. These are the ways that we, we do this on purpose. And so I'll tell you that we, we, we have events during the week. But we gather together with the people of God to worship. And, and the person of God, that's, that's our main thing. And I, I tell you that. I make sure you understand that for two reasons. The, the first of reason is this. We have other ministries going on. And, and I know that anytime there are other ministries going on, it's easy to feel that weight that I'm supposed to be at that event. And if I don't have some solid excuse that I've come up with for not going to that event, uh, you, you know, there's that weight of guilt that sometimes goes on you. Know. And, and, and while we love to see you at those other events, they're very good, they're beneficial for you, but we're not expecting you to be at everything. We have Sunday m- or Saturday morning men's group, there's the book study Veronica was telling you all about earlier, we have fellowship events, we have uh, the small groups, we have uh, eight weeks of children's Sunday school in the fall and eight weeks in the spring. Uh, there are occasional church-wide fellowship events that go on, but, but <clears throat> if they just don't fit into your schedule, that's okay. Really, really mean that. In other words, if, if you can't make it, don't carry that weight on your shoulders that nobody's asking you to carry. That's okay. And, and the second reason I tell you this is that, is that you understand that corporate worship is very important. We want you to make this a priority in your life. We, we understand travel comes up, sickness happens, injuries happen, all kinds of things that are perfectly good reasons to happen. No one's tracking you down to see where you are or anything of that nature. But, but the, the point is, don't pencil in worship like maybe we'll go if nothing else is going on. Write it in permanent marker on your calendar. If you're old, if you're young, make it a reoccurring event on your phone. Sorry, I just can't help but looking at you, Ronnie. Our fourth core value is eagerly making disciples of Christ. And we're going to come back to that at the end, so we're going to skip that one for now. Our fifth core value is engaged in serving the community. Uh, we as a church absolutely desire to be a blessing to this community this, uh, that God has placed in us in. We, we love Manhattan. We love the surrounding areas around here. We, we wish to see them all absolutely flourish. And we believe that the presence of gospel-soaked men and women is the way that our community will flourish. Some, some ways of doing this is as simple as uh, supporting local, local businesses. Go in, use, the, use what they have, pay for it, get to know the people. Part of this is, is being present in the communities that God has placed you in, right? Uh, you students, you're new here, be involved in the campus. There are so many things that you can get involved in and get to meet people. Do that. Um, You know, the rest of us, be be involved in various organizations. If if you're homeschooling, be involved in the homeschooling organizations, the community, in the public school, get involved in that. If you're at Flint Hills, get involved in that. These are things that God has placed you in these realms of life. Get involved in them. Uh, We find that, you know, the greatest testament to the work that God is doing through the ministry of this particular church, of Manhattan Press, is when people encounter you and they see someone who genuinely loves the Lord and they see someone who genuinely loves, Loves the neighbor, their neighbor, right? Not not because we're perfect. No one's expecting that, but because we seek to show hospitality and generosity and simple kindness, and and even in a maybe maybe especially when we go out of our way to seek someone's forgiveness uh, because we hadn't done any of that stuff. When we've sinned against someone else, when, when we see the gospel that we rest in actually you know, makes an impact in our lives, they, they will see that rather when we can go out of our way to, to seek forgiveness in that way. So, so one thing we, we've been careful about as a church, I'll say, is uh, not creating so many programs that your whole life be- becomes in this church bubble right? We don't want you to live in this building. We don't want you to only do church things. It's good for you. It's for your nourishing, but, but we also want you to have time available to serve in the community, to get to know people in the community, and particularly your own family, to be able to en- engage in that way with real seriousness. And, and so, yeah, for honest, we do need your help. I'm not saying that we need your help for setup, for cleanup, for sound, for music, for nursery, for all sorts of things that we do that aren't going to happen in the, uh, Sunday morning or any other day if we don't have people serving. Um, but we also want you to have time to, to care about your for care for your family and to serve others outside this wall, these walls. Uh, our sixth core value is to be active in church planting and mission sending. Uh, We absolutely believe that God loves the church and has ordained her to be his agent of redemption in the world. We see church planning as an important strategy to growing and to multiplying disciples for Christ and for increasing the overall impact of of the gospel in Kansas and and far beyond. If we're honest, we're also right on the edge of being being able to... uh, support ourselves internally where we don't need out external support and and what that means is we're very limited in what we can do as far as giving money to some of these missions at this point we do it and we can tell you about it and when we meet for our uh, church meeting later in the year but uh, what this also means though is that um, it might mean that those who, that, that we are supporting, those that we are encouraging, those we are praying for, those who we're giving financial to, uh, it might mean those who are taking it to faraway countries as missionaries. It might also mean those who are going to Kansas State University where the whole world basically comes together and it is an amazing missionary opportunity. Not, not just students from, you know, Alathe and Kansas City and Hayes and wherever else, but, but all over the absolute entire world. And so that, that means those who are going to the campus, we're talking about the Dunnings, Trisha and John. We're talking about uh, Sam and Leslie Casting and the Hardys, David and Katie. I, I know we've got Adam McKinney as, as well. There are a number of, number of people who are serving on, on, the, on the campus in that way. Pray for them. Seriously, pray for them. Pray for the opportunities they're going to have this year. Pray uh, for their energy as they go into this. Uh, John, other John. I know what to call you, little John, big John. Uh, John the intern. John has an intern named John. That's going to be confusing. <clears throat> anyway, I'm like a ADD or something. Um, anyway, all of which, uh, to say this, those people, not only do they appreciate your prayers, but, uh, you know, consider giving to them financially. I know none of them would reject that if you spoke to them about that. Um, talk to any of them if, if you might be interested in that. So uh, our hope, our prayer with this core value is to foster this, this big kingdom view uh, of God's kingdom that we're not just concerned about our small little section here, but, but for the entire wide-angle kingdom of God. Uh, so then, let's look a little closer at our fourth core value, eagerly making disciples uh, of Christ. In the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 1, the, the Apostle Paul's writing as he's moved along by the Spirit, and he he says this, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. It means redeemed, that they might know Christ. And that's our desire as well. to, To see the lost get saved and to see those who are young in faith grow up into maturity in faith, that is absolutely our desire. Now, I'll tell you, there is a verse that has been our theme verse uh, from, from the point when this church plant was just an idea. A few of us talking, hey, maybe maybe we do this. Maybe, you know, our presbytery needs to do this. And that verse is Mark chapter 4. If you've got your Bible open, go ahead and turn over there. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 and through, 30, uh, through, through 29. Um, J- Jesus is, is speaking in this passage, and, and this is what he says. He says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises, night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Now think about the details of what's going on here. You've got this farmer... And it's in the ground. The farmer who actually planted it lays down exhausted in his bed and he goes to sleep. All he's done is plant it. You look at this and you start to realize that's so incredibly ordinary. And in fact, the next day, the farmer would wake up and he'd look at his field. uh, You know, he looks out there and, and he wouldn't see the fruit of his work yet. He could see the labor he did, but he wouldn't see any fruit. There's no sign of progress, no sign of of anything going on. And yet down in the ground at that moment, God is doing something incredibly wonderful in that seed. Something's happening. God is causing it to grow. See, we make disciples by planting God's word, by, by, by listening, by showing people what it means to walk with Christ. And then like the farmer, we go to bed each night and, and all the while the Holy Spirit is, is working in the hearts of these people. See, the miracle of faith is sprouting in the soul of a man, of a woman, of a child. We, we see it again, you know, 1 Corinthians 3, 7 says so well. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So let me say outright, uh, discipleship. Discipleship is a slow change in growing in our love for God and our obedience to the Lord's ways, which are revealed in Scripture. That's the process of, of discipleship. That, that means two things. It means both proclaiming the gospel to unbelievers who have never understood it, never believed it, and also teaching and applying scriptures to those who are believers. Uh, and, and we do that. We, we disciple for one simple reason. And it's everything that we see there in that Mark 4 passage. We, we do it because God is at work. God is at work. And he calls us to it. God is at work in our lives and he's in the lives of those around us. We, 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 we read the Great Commission at the very beginning. And uh, when we began, and, and we wish that to be this small link, right? You think about the Great Commission. I'm always amazed by this. That... Uh, he gave that command to the, to the disciples at that point, and those disciples began to do it. Somewhere in history, there is a chain link from that moment to you hearing the gospel. Whether you having heard it at church, whether you're some campus minister taught it to you, whether your parents taught it to you, whether you, uh, you read it in a book that someone wrote about or the Bible itself, there is this link from that moment on, and we desire to be part of that link as the gospel goes forward. Go and make disciples. See, one of the first things we, we learned about Manhattan, though, I'll tell you that's really unique about this town, um, is that it's incredibly transient, right? People come, people go. They're not here for a long time. We, we thought we had a grasp on that coming in. We have constantly had to learn that over and over again. What, a, what an unusual experience that is. Uh, your friends, your children's friends, all kinds of people that you pour into, you get to know, will will move away. Many of you are hearing this as if we come into town, we get to know people, we pour into them, and then we have to go away um, every few years. So we decided very early on that our, our vision would be to treat people, transient people and families, as if they were permanently here. Now that sounds real easy. I know it's not as easy as it sounds, but but the reason we mention this, and every year we come back around to this, is, is that it's a reminder to every single one of us that, that, that we really want to do this. Be, because we are committed to, to discipling to the best of our ability, no matter how long or short someone is with us. And, and the reason is because that's the wider, bigger kingdom of God picture. And, and so even if you're thinking in your head, you know, we might be friends for three years, four years, if you really fall behind in your studies, eight years, Uh, But you're thinking, you got this period of time. Reality is, these are eternal friends. Their faith is in Christ. You're going to know them for a short period now, and then the rest of eternity. Uh, But for the time being, we're going to pour into each other in that way. And so, uh, if you're one of the people that are transient, let me encourage you, unpack your boxes. Actually move into the place you're at. Go plant flowers in the garden. Even if it won't be your garden in three or four years, plant flowers, join a church through membership. And in fact, no matter where God takes you in life, whenever you get there, find a church and join that community. Absolutely. If you're at K-State or Fort Riley, we're glad you're part of this covenant community. Now... Now, regarding discipleship, I want to challenge you in the way that we think about this, because I think we all have this idea of what discipleship is, and and we kind of come to believe um, this idea that discipleship is a program. This, this one-to-one idea, discipleship is a program, some sort of, you know, here's a 10-step discipleship program we're going to go through, or here's a six-week discipleship program, and, and you're going to plug into this, you sign up, you come here every, every week, and, and boom, you're a disciple by the end of it. And, and we've got to get rid of that idea, okay? I'm not saying all those are bad, but we've got to get rid of the idea that that's, that's what discipleship is, number one, because it's unbiblical, you don't see it anywhere in Scripture. And because real discipleship is so much better, it's personal, it's slow, it allows you to fail along the way, it includes, you know, the whole body of Christ in it, not just one person, to a group. And many of you, you know, let me, let me try to explain that. Many of you know that our family enjoys Major League Baseball. We've had a good last year with the Astros, winning the World Series. Uh, and I'll tell you, my, my children can tell you the names and the numbers of, and the positions of almost all the Astros players. Uh, they can tell you what a ground rule double is. I don't know how many of you know that, right? They can tell you what a bunt is. They know the significance of a no-hitter and whether it's still going on in the seventh inning or the eighth inning or so on. And, and, and I'll tell you this, uh, they have never, ever taken a baseball program. Never. Never. I have never signed him up for a ten week baseball program. There's never been part of an you know the, the the Astros you know six weeks or six step program, nothing of that. The the way they've learned this has all been incredibly slow, where they see something and they ask a question about the game. Why did he do that? What's that mean? What, that kind of thing. They've watched it unfold. They, they've learned it in the same way that I learned it before them, by, by listening to announcers as they explain things, as, by asking questions of whatever person's near me that actually knows about this stuff. And, and, and so, you know, and it's this slow process over a lifetime. That's how discipleship of Christians works as well. That's what we're talking about. It's slow. Discipleship is changing to be a little more like Christ calls us to be. Or or changing to understand the the grace of God better than we ever have before. It's resting more and more in the finished work of Christ. uh, All of this over an absolute lifetime. And and, and we're all at this very different pace. This different place in the process as well. You see, wherever our, our lives are being brought into conformity... With God's Word, discipleship is happening. You see then sitting under expository preaching each week, as we work through a book of the Bible, that is discipleship. Asking your family and friends about the sermon afterwards, that's discipleship. Asking them about a verse you don't understand, or maybe you do understand, and want them to understand, that's discipleship. When you bring someone with you to serve your neighbor or or to help someone carry a box across campus. That's, that's discipleship. If you're, if you're showing them along the way, the reason we're doing this, when, when you correct a child's selfishness, that's discipleship. And you got to get this idea. It's not just information, right? It's all that God has called us to be in His Word actually being applied to our lives. When, when, when a fellow Christian, you know, shares a sin he or she has been struggling with, and you encourage them, you know, re- repent of this, and now rest, rest in the finished work of Christ on the cross for you, instead of just hanging your head in shame, instead of feeling that guilt like that. That is discipleship. So let me, let me suggest two things for us in the realm of discipleship. The first is this. Um, put yourself in a position... To be discipled. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter what, you know, how many memory verses you have. It doesn't matter. Uh, you, there, there are no experts here that don't need discipleship anymore. So be asking yourself, how in my life am I making my own discipleship uh, a priority? I, so I, I've already mentioned a, a few things here. Um, you know, some of the gatherings that we have, we, we have them, yes, for the purpose of discipleship. Not, not as a, a program. I'm not saying, you know, you, you show up at the men's study and suddenly you're going to be an amazing disciple. Um, but it's, it's for that. We have these things, small groups, the men's and women's groups, as well as the, the children's Sunday school. And, and again, if you can't make it, don't, don't feel guilty. But, but, but if you can participate in those things, I, I will tell you this. They are a wonderful part of your discipleship. Beyond those venues, be constantly asking questions. Seek out this kind of thing. Seek out discipleship. You know, not not in programs, but but in communities. I'll, I'll tell you, I've got a, a friend that every once in a while will tell me uh, about like this. This happened to me. Here's this situation at work or this interaction with someone, and, and and it's always kind of this. Here's what happened. Here's how I want to respond. What would be a godly way to respond? And the the first part's just information. The second part I find incredibly funny usually. Um, and the third part is really that question of, hey, disciple me through this. How, how should I respond to this 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 in this moment? That's the kind of thing we need to be actively doing with, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So then the, the second suggestion is this, to, to, to disciple others. Again, not, not a 10-week program, but, but but as a way of life. In fact, you can be asking that question that's in the reflection quotes of your bulletin, um, where David Platt asked that question um, God's, he says first, God's will for us as disciples of Jesus is to make disciples of Jesus in all nations. Therefore, the question every disciple asks is, how can I best make disciples of all nations? Let me give you a few ideas because you don't have to start your own program, right? You don't have to be at some level to do this. Um, first of all, books. Books are amazing. Even if you don't read, really, books are absolutely amazing, one of, the, one of the wonderful things we have. Um, give people books. Read a book with somebody. Give them a book you've already read before because you don't have time to read a book with them, uh, and then begin to ask them questions about that book. Um, talk about it, things like that. Um, you know, the, the, the women, Veronica and, and Aaron have actually organized this, this women's book club that's going on. They have some amazing books in that. I, I look at the list and think, I kind of want to just show up at the women's book study um that's my inviting myself you can brian no uh so if if you can absolutely get involved in that also meals you've got to eat you just you do eventually um a few times a week eat with somebody you don't even have to buy them a meal just eat at the same place you know have a conversation during that time that was often jesus's model and when you do so, be, be intentional. I, I, I'll tell you, I often find myself in conversations, and there's two ways it goes. There's, there's where I'm just on autopilot, where we just kind of have this conversation about sports and whatever it might be. Um, and, and then there's other times where I'll ask myself, there's this, this moment of kind of mentally asking myself, and I do it internally, because if I did it out loud, I'd be kind of psycho. Um, but I'll ask myself in my head this question, You know, what might I say or ask right now for the sake of this person's discipleship? And it's usually more of a prayer of some sort. You know, God, give me wisdom in this moment to know how to disciple this person. Because that's, that's what our interaction as brothers and sisters in Christ is so often. Sometimes we kind of think of it in a hierarchy, like, okay, I've asked this guy to disciple me, and now he can. But the reality is, just as we interact as brothers and sisters, we are in a position to disciple each other in that way. Also, pray that God will teach you and listen to others as, uh, and let them share with you, right? Uh, Discipleship isn't always about talking and and teaching. It's often about listening and relating to someone. And and again, cover all your efforts in prayer, knowing that like everything, discipleship comes through God's grace, not mere human effort. So let me me bring you to the close. Um, I really struggle with this because you're covering six different things, so you can't expound anything as far as I'd, I'd want to. I will say that all six of these core values were the, the first six sermons that we had in the, in the church's life. They're online if you ever want to go give them a listen for a little more information. But uh, in, in short, we, we want to be a church uh, that focuses on what's important without getting distracted by things that are unimportant. That's the purpose of these six core values. Um, but I'll tell you this, putting them on paper doesn't make them real at all. Um, and not even a little bit, Right. Um, standing here telling you about them doesn't make them a reality as part of our, our church culture, our community. Now, none of these become a reality unless we're actually working towards these goals. The, and, and so we've got to understand then that the church, we're, we're not a, a company. It's not an er- entertainment company. It's not a service company. You're not a consumer. It's a family. A, a family under the covenant of, of God's grace or covenant of grace redeemed by the blood of Christ... And unless everyone gets on board and, and begins rowing, right, in the same direction, and we're not really going to go anywhere. So I, I encourage you to do this. Go home today and think about these. If you forget what they are, they're all on our website. You can get them there. Go home and think about these. Talk about these. Think about your, your place in there. Think about the discipleship that you and your family need. Think about where and how you are discipling others. Um, think about how you can help make this community a, a blessing uh, to be a part of, a blessing to the community, a blessing to each other. God has called us all to, 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 to minister in, in this community, and so think about the ways that we might be a blessing here. Always looking to God every step of the way. Finally, um, if you're sitting here today as a, a new student in town, welcome. We are absolutely glad you're here. We, we hope you'll continue to, to make this your home. Um, If you're not a student, you're far beyond that, you graduated long ago or not at all, whatever it might be, Um, basically every one of you, you need a church home. I'm not saying it has to be here, but, but find a church home. Find a place where you can put your membership in. Find a place where people will know you by name and care for you. Find a place where you can know others by name and care for them. Um, find a place where you can you can trust that they are going to be preaching you biblical, you know, from Scripture. Find a place, because that's part of your discipleship as well. Find a, a community, though, that you can be a part of. So get involved. And I mean, like, membership. Really get involved someplace. Um, again, if it's not here, do find a discipleship-making church where uh, to belong to where other people will absolutely know you. Uh, that's... That's the last of that. So let me, let me close this in prayer. Almighty God, we, we ask simply that we would continue to be growing disciples day after day. That we may live in such a way that the fruit of the Spirit is plentiful in our lives. We, we ask that you would give us hearts that believe the gospel and hearts that desire to see our friends and family and all others come to believe it too. For their sake and for th- your glory. Please give us boldness and patience. Make us wise and winsome. May the slow work of making disciples be the anthem of our lives. In Jesus' glorious name we pray. Amen.